The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We celebrate you because of who you are and all that you've done for us. We ask that you send your word to us again today. Touch us one and all. Let not one person leave this service the same way we came, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we start talking at the beginning of the month about us being intercessors to our world at this time. And last week, we got into how we can do that effectively. It's one thing to have a calling. It's another thing to be able to execute on that calling. And that's what we are studying and looking into. And I'm going to continue with that teaching um, again today. I'm going to start with Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. I want to establish that as we begin again today. When we talk about the promises of God, the blessings of God, the calling of God, the purpose of God, it's for all of us as children. God doesn't leave out anyone. If anything, it's people that leave themselves out. So I want to let you know whatever we are discussing and talking about, um, it's for you. I love the way Peter told them in the book of Acts. It's for you. It's for your children. It's for your children's children. As many as the Lord your God will call. So these things we are talking about, it, it applies to you. And you've got to learn to see how you can use them in your own life. Glory be to God. So we were talking about you doing much with little. And I want to circle back briefly this morning on one of the major things we established last week. Um, you've got to be able to answer the who question, the what question, the why question, the where question, and the how question. And I want to drill down a little bit more on answering the who question. We've said the believer ought to be an intercessor at this time. And this is the main thing I want to establish, first of all, this morning. Life will always ask you questions. Um, today, COVID-19 is asking us questions. And the primary question is, who are you? And how you respond to that question is going to make all the difference. Satan's number one trick is to get you mixed up and confused about your identity. And if he succeeds, like he did with Adam and Eve in the garden, he has you grounded. So you've got to know who you are and your identity in every situation. And most importantly, you've got to know how to respond. Look with me again at Galatians chapter 3, um, Genesis chapter 3, talking about Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Verse 5, for God knows that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Obviously, Eve must have been doubting what God had told her about herself, what God had told them. Let us make man in our image and likeness. She didn't know who she was. And when Satan set up that trick question, she fell for it. She ate the fruit. Adam ate the fruit. And here we are today. Now, watch what he did with Jesus as well. The same question, the same test. Who are you? Um, Luke chapter 4 from verse 3. Temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, if, 
you are the son of God. But you see, Jesus knew who he was. So Satan told him, command this stone to become bread. I want you to pay particular attention to how Jesus answered. You see, Jesus knew who he was, so he didn't fall for the trick. And Jesus answered in verse 4. He answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Hallelujah. So you need to know who you are, and you need to know how to respond when life asks you that question. When COVID-19 is asking you, who are you? Are you responding as a believer? And are you responding how a believer should respond? This is the core, or it goes to the core of what we are addressing in this teaching. And I want you to note this this morning. Um, a correct answer, please hear me and hear me very carefully. A correct answer is not necessarily the appropriate answer. It's, it depends on who is asking the question and why they're asking the question. So the devil asked Jesus, or he told Jesus, command the stones to become bread, if you are the son of God. Do you know that if Jesus had done that miracle and turned stone to bread, it would have been correct. He had the power to do it. He had the ability to do it. And later on in the Gospels, we saw Jesus multiplying bread. But you see, that correct answer that as the Son of God, I can multiply bread or turn stone to bread, that wasn't the right answer in that situation. And that's why I want you to understand what we are saying here. The world today is asking questions. The world is looking for solutions. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, we looked at it the other day, they are waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. How we answer and the way we respond to that question is vital. And this is what we must do. We must point them to Jesus. God must get the glory in our response. There are many ways we can manifest and display we are sons of God. But the best way at this time is to be solution providers for this world. See, this is not the time for us to be flashing how strong our faith is in that sense or displaying any other things. This is not even a time for us to just be displaying our wealth as heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. It's a time for us to be intercessors for this world and bring about solutions to the problems the world is facing starting from where we are. Hallelujah. It's also instructive for us to remember what Jesus taught his disciples. Matthew chapter 16. And we talked about this briefly last month. Matthew chapter 16 from verse 13. He asked them, who do men say I am? That's where it started from. Then in verse 15, he told them, who do you say I am? And of course, verse 17, um, Peter answered, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. And in verse 18, Jesus said to him, on this rock, what rock? The rock of the revelation of who Christ is. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And he went on to say in verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. This is very powerful. Please understand what is going on here. You see, we find our identity as believers, as new creations in Christ, when we see Jesus, when we discover who he is. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of blind Bartimaeus in scriptures. Uh, Mark chapter 10 tells the story. And the Bible said Jesus was passing by. And when he heard that Jesus was passing by, the Bible said from verse 47, he began to cry out. And watch what he said. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
He recognized Jesus for who he was. He caught a revelation of who Jesus was, the son of David, the Christ to come. And the Bible said people were telling him, keep quiet, keep quiet. But he yelled the more. And at the end of the day, he got his miracle. You see, when we see Jesus and we get a revelation of who Jesus was, who Jesus is, that text in Matthew chapter 16, we see ourselves. So when Bartimaeus saw Jesus as the son of David, he saw himself. I don't have to be blind anymore. I don't have to be sick anymore. I don't have to be poor anymore. And it didn't matter what the people were saying about him. He rose up and he took hold of the healing that Jesus made available. Hallelujah. You've got to know. This is how you're going to discover who you are. When you see Christ for who he is, then you begin to see I'm a believer. And at a time like this, you begin to understand that we are meant to be intercessors, the saviors of this world. Many Christians haven't caught that revelation yet. And it's because you are not focusing on Jesus. You are not catching the revelation of who Jesus is. You are, maybe you are focusing on the challenge and the problem the world is throwing at us. At a time like this, we can't afford to be like the seven sons of Siva. The Bible told us about their story in Acts chapter 19. They saw Paul working miracles using the name of Jesus. And in verse 13, they were trying to cast out a devil from a man. And they said, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. You see, they didn't have a revelation of Jesus. The demon answered them. The evil spirit answered in verse 15. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Who are you? And I'm asking that question to everyone today. You need to know who you are. It's not enough that Dr. K is preaching. Your pastor is preaching. Your pastor T is preaching something. That, oh, you ought to be an intercessor. You ought to be a solution provider. You must know for yourself. Hallelujah. So I, I, I'm praying that God will open the eyes of your understanding in this season. And God will begin to reveal to you more and more. More and more. And most importantly, more and more who you are, you will respond to these times we are in. And I'm telling you again, child of God, the right response for you as a believer is to be an intercessor for this world, to be a savior and a solutions provider at this time. Glory be to God. So let's go further again on how we can do that. We established um, last week that when we are talking about doing much with little, we looked at it from two different dimensions. Number one, um, the literal meaning. Just um, doing something with the little we have in life, we will always start with little. Glory be to God. And God wants us to be efficient managers of resources. Let me quote this scripture I didn't mention last week. John 6, chapter 12. After Jesus fed the 5,000 with the little boy's lunch, verse 12, he said, so the, the Bible said they filled up the baskets and he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. See, God wants us to manage little well. Um, Luke chapter 16, a similar parable to the parable we studied last week about the parable of talents. This one is the parable of the unjust steward. Luke chapter 16 from verse 12. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So you, you've got to use little things, little time, little money, little talent, little connections, and make the most out of it. But like we said last week, it's not just the literal meaning of little we must 
um, take, have an understanding about, the literary meaning of little is also important. Look at what Jesus said in that text, Luke 16, verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And this is the core of what we started teaching last week, that when the Bible talks about little, it's not just um, the material, physical things, which we must be faithful in using that the Bible is talking to us about, but it's also talking in a code, in a parable. And it's saying there that if you can handle money well, I can give you the true riches, the main things that God uses to transform this world. So we said you've got to know how to use the word to do big things. Use prayer. Use the Holy Spirit. And I want to go further in that this morning. I want to mention three things again. Three more things that when we study scriptures, um, the Bible lets us know we've got to use very well. I will start with this one. You, you've got to know how to manage your thoughts, your words, and your attitudes well. See, most people in this world don't think much about what they think or how they think. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. Proverbs 23, verse 7. For as a man thinks, as he thinks in his heart, any man, and that's talking about you, so is he. And what he said, as he thinks in that text. So it's what you are thinking, not just what you are thinking, rather, how you are thinking and why you think what you think. Ultimately, your thoughts will become your reality. That's what that verse, that verse is telling us. Proverbs 6 and verse 2. You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken up by the words of your mouth. So your thoughts are important, your words. Now, this is not talking about God's word. Your word, what you are saying, particularly in a time of crisis and chaos like this, mind what you are thinking. It may look as if it doesn't matter, it's little. It doesn't look like the big buildings or the big things that are visible in this world. But it makes all the difference. All the difference. Mind the words that are coming out of your mouth. No one ever rises beyond the words of their mouth. Proverbs 4.23. Talk about, talking about your attitude now. Keep your heart with all diligence. Your heart. For out of it springs the issues of life. It's not what happens to us that really matters in life. It's how we respond to it. The state of our hearts. And the state of your heart reflects your attitude. It reflects your attitude. And that's what determines what ultimately happens in your life. I'm sure you've had this statement before. Attitude determines altitude. So you need to understand that your thoughts will form your words or will determine or dictate your words. Your words will shape your attitudes and your feelings. Your attitudes and your feelings will inform your choices and your decisions. And that will inform your actions. And it's your actions that will develop into your habits. Your habits will shape and form your character. And your character is going to determine your destiny or your destination at the end of the day. Many times we only focus about destiny and destination. Where I'm going to end up at the end of the year. Where I'm going to end up at the end of the decade. Where I'm going to end up at the end of my life. But I'm telling you, child of God, it starts with your thoughts. Your thoughts may seem little. It starts with your words. And it starts with your attitudes. I talked about you imitating God last Sunday. Look at this text again, Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. 
See, God used words to frame the world. Um, the, 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 the word frame there talks about or um, the, the world there talks about the ages and the times and the seasons. God framed and frames the ages, times, and seasons with words. And what we call the Bible today, the written word of God, it's the logos of God. And that word logos means thoughts. Hallelujah. And we must understand that everything that exists in the world today, good, bad, or ugly, whether it originated from God or from the devil or from men, it was originally somebody's thoughts. God's thoughts, which became his words, the logos, framed the world. The same thing happens to you. So what are you thinking? In this time of this crisis, what are you saying? And how are you allowing this crisis shape your attitude? I'm trusting God you are not developing a sour attitude or a bitter attitude, but you are developing the kind of attitude God wants you to have. The key to all this is to ensure that your thoughts, your words, and your attitudes are aligned with God's word. Hallelujah. So watch what you think, watch what you say, watch your attitude. Secondly, this morning, Watch out for your weaknesses. Everybody despises weaknesses in this world. We, we are ashamed of them. We are embarrassed about them. We want to hide them. But we, we've not learned the major kingdom secret Apostle Paul learned in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at that text this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 9. Apostle Paul was talking about the challenges he was having in life and ministry. And in verse 9, he said, before then, he said he prayed to God to take away all these challenges. He called them um, thorns in the flesh, a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him. And God said to him, please watch this carefully, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weaknesses. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities. Watch this very carefully that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And he now said in verse 10, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Glory be to God. I want you to understand that God can use your weaknesses, the things that you despise or other people despise about you, and do something great with it. Our weaknesses are not to be the excuses that we are using for not making impact in our world. Rather, they are to be the basis for us to access uncommon grace and uncommon favor from God, which we are then supposed to spread to our world. Listen to what Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17. For our light affliction, and he was still referring to those challenges and weaknesses and problems he had, in life and ministry, our light affliction, which are bought for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Glory be to God. Look at what he learned there. He had challenges in life and ministry, but he didn't stop him. He didn't allow it to stop him from doing what God called him to do. And when he went to pray to God, God take these problems away. God said, no, 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 no. It's not about taking the problem away. It's about you accessing the grace that I make available to you because of these weaknesses you have. And when Paul made that switch, he began to glory, hallelujah, even in his infirmities. Hallelujah. And that's what you need to learn to do. So instead of saying, I don't have money, or I lost my job, or I've been believing God for a spouse or children, 
and it hasn't come. And because of those weaknesses or infirmities or challenges, you are now saying, I'm not going to rise up. I'm not going to be a blessing to other people. I'm not going to do what God calls me to do. No, learn what Paul learned. Realize that those challenges you are facing actually puts you in a position where you can access uncommon favor from God that will make you do amazing things in this life. Another interesting thing about our weaknesses is that they make us to empathize and sympathize with other people. You see, if you've ever gone through a challenge like barrenness or poverty, you, you will know how to empathize with people that are going through such challenges, and you are in a better position to be an intercessor for them. This is what the Bible said about Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And watch verse 16 very carefully. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hallelujah. Because Jesus came to our level and he understood, he took on flesh like us. He empathized with us. He now made grace available to us. Hallelujah. So learn to make your weaknesses and your challenges work for you a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Thirdly, as I begin to wrap up this morning, is your seeds. See, these are things that if you are not careful, you will just despise and you think they are little or they are small. But if you learn how to use them well, God can do great things in your life. Mark chapter 4. The Bible of the Mozart seed, from verse 30. Then Jesus said to them, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall I picture it? It's like a mustard seed. Please watch this very carefully. When it is sown in the ground, it's smaller than all seeds of the earth. We are talking about using small things to do great things. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs, and shoots out larger branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. This is the kind of person God wants you to be at this time. Someone that can use the seeds that God has given them in this life. Whether it's your time, your talent, your treasure, um, anything God has given you. The word of God, your prayer life, your prayer language. A seed. You sow it. And then by the power of God and the favor of God, it begins to multiply and grow. And watch that, the birds of the air, other people now come and they begin to benefit from it. That's the kind of person God wants you to be. Glory be to God. You've got to learn and you've got to master sowing your resources, however little they may be, and allowing God to multiply them. Sowing into your relationships and allowing God to increase them and make them all that he wants them to be. Mark 4.13, Jesus said that, do you not understand this parable, this parable of using seeds to do things in the kingdom of God? How then will you understand any other parable? How will you understand anything I want you to do? If you can't understand that, I want you to know how to use seed, little things, to do great things. And Mark 4.20, it said, when we sow seeds properly in our hearts, we'll come up with 30-fold, 60-fold, and a 100-fold return. That's the kind of person God is looking for at this time. I'm going to close with this psalm this morning. And I, I hope you've just gotten an insight into what we've been talking about. Psalm 82. I want us to read that psalm as I close this aspect of this teaching this morning. 
Psalm 82. And I'm going to come back to how I started this teaching this morning. Who are you? Do you understand your identity? Do you understand who you are? Psalm 82 from verse 1. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Watch verse 3 very carefully because this is what we are talking about. Being intercessors in this world at this time. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. Deliver the poor and the needy. Free them from the hand of the wicked. Verse 5 says, but they do not know. They do not understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. And in verse 6 it said, I said, you are gods. And all of you are children of the Most High. See, that's what we are supposed to be. And watch what it means by saying we are gods. It's not telling us to go and start creating a universe like God. It's saying we should defend the poor, defend the fatherless, be solution providers and intercessors to the weak people around us. Verse 8, look at that time. I will close with this verse. Verse 8, arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. When the children of God begin to stand and to rise up, and act as intercessors and saviors of the world, helping the poor, helping the fatherless, helping the needy, helping the world around us, God will inherit the nations. The glory or the knowledge of his glory and his favor will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And that's the life we've been called to live. Glory be to God. Leave those hands with me again this morning. Father, we thank you. We see ourselves the way you see us. We see ourselves in you. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And you have made us to function in your image as saviors, as gods in this world. And we receive that mantle. We receive the wisdom you've given us in this teaching to use the little things, things that the world despises, to do great things. And I pray for everyone in this service with us today, watching this broadcast, that everything you've put in their hands, the time, and the resources. We begin to maximize them and use them wisely to accomplish great things, to solve problems in this world, even as a, as a time as this. Open your mouth and just take a minute to pray in the spirit with me this morning. Oh, wisdom is coming to you right now. Things you've despised in the past that you didn't think God could bring something great out. The wisdom to do them is coming. And God is going to make amazing things to happen through you. In the name of Jesus. Come on, pray in the Spirit. Just a few more seconds. Aya garo go so konda vere keta pasha. Ge lavoro kodo boso topaya la basha. Engataya lavoso kodo brakata. We give you the praise, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. The preceding message was brought to you by King's Word Everywhere, Nigeria. We are located at King's Word Auditorium, Etel Avenue behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-006-40.